I'm the Property Funder, better known as Michael Dean, and this is the Property Funder Podcast. Uh, Welcome back to the Property Funder Podcast. Uh, I'm here with producer Georgia, who is uh, asking me some AMA questions. Um, So, Georgia, what's what's our next question? Next question is, what was your first ever job? My first ever job? Uh, selling candy okay, pop at so boarding school. I had, yeah, the, 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 yeah, having my own private touch shop at, suite, uh, at school probably, <laughs> it probably isn't that whatever. I did a few days on a building site when I was 15. Um, it was more like us. We, we, we basically set up some scaffolding and bits and bobs on a commercial building in the city of London. I think Rabobank were the tenant at the time. Um, so I think it was 15 when I did that and I lived near Ascot Racecourse so I also got a job at Ascot Racecourse around the Christmas time that year and um, basically working as a kind of kitchen porter on the banqueting uh, on, on the banquets for, for companies Christmas parties um, and actually managed to get fired on my first day um, but they I think they took pity on me because I think it was my friend's fault and and we just got tired of the same brush and um and then I ended up working I think the entire that entire Christmas period um and um before you know it I think I ended up doing silver service so they had me front of house so yeah I did I did a lot of I did a lot of jobs around the the race course uh when I was growing up I did a lot of uh I'm on um you know a lot of race race meets um, particularly in the summertime, it was very hot. Um, not Royal Ascot because I was still at school at the time, but um, in the July, the, one of the July meets, I'd be going around and I'd be emptying all the bins. And it'd be really hot, and I'd have to wear. They'd make us wear these sort of horrible black sweatshirts, and sweat was the operative word. So um, it was a good Ooh. experience. Uh, if, if while we're on the theme, I also had some pretty notable, interesting uh, uni jobs as well. I did um, office fit outs. Uh, so which was mainly just sort of manual labor because I couldn't actually you know put the desks together but we effectively uh, I, I worked for a company called interior business moves and and we would essentially do office fit outs and we our team would generally put it be the team that would install the desks and the work uh, workstations for people so just before companies moved in um, and so it, it did coincide with me spending a lot of time in the gym being sort of quite a big weightlifter um so it was a job I think I was quite well suited to but eventually I kind of got a bit a bit bored of that and I ended up selling so in the second year of university I ended up selling um this is going to sound really dodgy uh I ended up (laughs) selling vibrating massage machines to middle-aged ladies mostly I did sell the odd one to sort of older men who had it had a nice attachment uh, soft attachment that you would be good for for knees um my best day oh. I, I think i've sold six of them in six of them in one day they, they retail at nearly 300 quid uh which oh, wow. 20 years which 20 years ago was 
you know, was a reasonable amount of money. And um, but, but yeah, my, my best day was uh, was in Romford in Essex of all of all places. I think these sort of five ladies came along. They'd probably had about two bottles of wine each at, at lunch, uh, and they thought it was the best thing ever. And I made a nice commission that day. It made me think that Romford. <laughs> I thought made me think Romford was quite a hot place to go for for selling these things. But I think I think it was just a complete fluke. So um, and uh, yeah, yeah. So, so that but it, it, yeah, if put it this way, that was a very good learning exercise for me because um, it it taught me it, it taught me about capturing attention of of a potential sale and mm. uh, yeah and and also where also you might how easy you could waste time pitching to someone who's yeah. has no interest i mean who doesn't want you know you give a demonstration to someone and who doesn't want a 45 minute free massage from a you know mm. from a you know strapping young lad um and but then if you have no interest it's like then you say oh how much is it you go like 300 quid they're like that's lovely thank you very much but i've got to go i've got i've got or, or i've got to talk to my husband about this and <laughs> we all know we all, we all know we all know what that means which is um, yeah you're really nice but it's no but I don't have the balls to tell you no myself so yeah uh, so so yeah so that was that was the, I, I even once gave a massage to a, a Spanish person who couldn't even speak English and I couldn't speak Spanish at the time so I think it was just like I must have just been, had a bored hour or something how but did that course, naturally evolved <laughs> uh I I think I just I I I mean, you become fearless with your ability to approach people. Say, come, you know, because the, the the spiel was, I mean, I can still remember, it's like, come here, try this, put your hand on here, try this. And, yeah. you know, and it's, it, you know, and, and it, like one in 20 people go, oh, that's horrible, you know, because it's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's sort of, it's sort of vibrating yeah. pad. Um, but then they'd be like, oh, that's nice. Oh, yeah. And then you say, oh, do you, do you want to take a sit down? I'll give you a demonstration. And anyway, so I, I, I don't know. I, I don't remember. I don't quite remember that part, but um it was uh yeah it was it was kind of uh kind of odd oh well if all else fails at least you know you've got something to go back oh, to i've got that to gonna... fall back on i've got that to fall back on yeah <laughs> um moving swiftly on we've got if you could have dinner with any historical figure who would you choose Ooh, wow such a such a difficult one i mean there's there's always that there's, there's always that sort of Churchill going around, you know, there's that, there's always that Churchill, so that seems like an easy one. I don't know, I don't know Churchill, Caesar, Einstein. Um, I, I actually can't answer that, Georgia. I really can't. I don't think, uh, I don't think I could narrow it down. It's too many. If it's, if it's, if it was just one, I don't think I could do it. If I was to say four, I'd be like Churchill, Einstein, um, Julius Caesar. I don't know, maybe William the, William the Conqueror, Tiller the Hun, I don't know, you know, these, these people who, you know, I mean, Tiller the Hun, not a particularly nice person, but, you know, you, you, <laughs> you, you, you definitely, you definitely learn a thing or two. And so, um, yeah, no, there's, there's too there, many. There's, there's, too, there's, too, there's too many. There's too many. I mean, I, I you know, not necessarily going to be a popular thing, but, you know, I'd love to pick Margaret Thatcher's brain, for example, you know, big, mm. uh, you know, it was a, a big, big feature of my early life you know big political feature my mum I guess maybe being the first female prime minister my mum being a kind of strong independent woman um they didn't look too dissimilar at least in my mind as well um you know 
so there's a kind of you know that so even someone like Thatcher would be an interesting you know fascinating person to to be mm. to, to ask some questions of um you, you know even though I appreciate that's not going to be everyone's political cup of tea I went to um funny enough my school was in her town and I went to Helene School as a of course so we yeah. had a lot of stuff about her everywhere same with Isaac Newton went to the boys school because I was at the girls school Isaac Newton went to the boys school because was Isaac, Isaac Newton Margaret Thatcher was just everywhere growing up for me so and, and, that would be now, a good one well yeah it's Grantham right so and and, mm-hmm. and and now Georgia Ashley as well you know so oh, there you go you, you, you know <laughs> what this space yeah um, keep watching for a while <laughs> I would say <laughs> um, okay so if you were given 10 million pounds tomorrow what would you spend it on yeah um I I mean 10 million pounds is it, it's kind of it's a funny one because that's I I suppose in today's day and age it's not it's not that much money I, I mean I wouldn't spend it on I wouldn't spend it myself you know, I'm not the sort of person that, you know, is is bothered about luxury. I, you know, I, I the car I drive, the house I live, the house I live in, you know, it's probably comfortably within my means. Um, and it's because I'm not really driven by material. I'm not that materially driven. Um, I would spend that money on, I'd spend that money on some form of investment, probably in probably in some in, in a business probably I wouldn't probably wouldn't buy real estate um, I would probably buy some sort of operational business or if it you know or, or spend it some of it on operational businesses some of it on um, maybe tech businesses or something like that where I where I see that this those businesses are you know are doing something transformative um, and you know that would be aligned with what we discussed earlier where you know the sort of the benefit of of of, of humankind as it were mm. very nice um then we've got what are some current goals that you are aiming to achieve um this year or th- this year or beyond um oh let's say, let's say goals for this year and goals for in the next five years uh, so i yeah, I mean, some some of the goals I probably can't discuss due to some confidentiality, you know, respect and that kind of thing. But there are some. This, you know, this year I have um, I have some professional goals that are. Um, at, I suppose outside of Avonmore, I mean, in as far as Avonmore is concerned, I think what we want to do is we want to get it, you know, we want the business to go to, a, you know, over the next five years to a sort of half a billion to a billion a year lender mm-hmm. um so you know i think that's i think that's quite well established and particular you know and within this year hopefully we'll start to um become more active as a not just in the c3 resi but also in the pbsa market i think growing into that and having our funding grow with us into that into that space will be a a huge thing and obviously attracting the third party funders that will that will support those aims um i think from a um i think from uh, in terms of the other businesses um it's very difficult to say i think uh, chartfield we have we it's basically to secure more sites to grow the team um you know and, and really we want to have 20 or 30 
sites going going through various stages of planning within within five years that's kind of where the territory we want to get to um or, or active sites as you know within the family off within our family office it's really just it's about making smart decisions and uh, and, and making good investments um as always i think just finding just finding maybe one or two more opportunities this year um and executing on those and i, I suppose over a five-year period it's just really what i like to what i try ideally I'd like to do is sort of double double my money over every five years if I can um that's sort of been instilled in me as a concept since I worked in private equity um at the moment it's very difficult because the cost of financing is very high um and also although prices aren't necessarily that bad actually when you do drill down into the deals the, the the value isn't quite there so and then um we as far as the as far as the two new businesses that I've got involved in on the wind turbine side and um, it's just making sure that we've got uh, this year and then I think it's every year subsequently we need to um, secure our next uh, round of pricing of what we're going to sell our, our electricity generation um, to the grid and then um, making sure that we're accumulating accumulating the capital that we've got um, so that we've got enough enough cash to replace the existing turbines when they reach the end of their economic life in the next sort of 10 to 15 years so you know it's a this is something that i share with my siblings and so we just need to make sure that um you know that that is a, that that remains an investment that we that we will benefit from over the long term not just um you know we, we enjoy some cash for a few years and then we find that we can't keep doing it because the blades have worn out we don't have the money to do that and then we've got, and then on the potato seed, the seed potato side is um it's really about this year is about stabilize continue to stabilize the business following my father's death um and then also uh, uh, you know stabilizing management and uh and making sure that we you know we we have a, a good yield good crop yield this year obviously that's some of that is down in the laps of the weather, weather gods that we have uh, that we secure good fields for next year for planting. I mean, we're talking about 12,000 tonnes a year production, so not small, so a lot of fields, but we secure good fields for next year. That we that when we sell our potatoes, that we actually get paid for them. We sold probably, you know, we, we're still waiting to get paid on quite a few of the uh, of, of the supplies that we made. So making sure that we're, that we're getting paid 100% upfront, potentially for stuff that we grow and then you know and and then i suppose long term you know more long term over a five-year period is um finding more suitable long-term owners you know shareholders for that business um so um yeah so a, a lot to unpack there and then i suppose on the personal side you know it's just continue to look after you know look after ourselves you know finding that balance between uh work and w work and play and making sure my kids you know i've got my oldest son uh he's going to go go off to senior school in wow. 12 months time so making sure that we've got him into the school that the, the right sort of school for him and and then the other two that's going to come around for them quickly my middle son's very you know he's got well, they're all talented in their own ways but middle son he's got a bit of a talent for tennis so you know maybe over the next 12 months seeing how far maybe he can take that um and that might involve him going to some sort of 
programme abroad if he does have the ability to pull that. And he played in the tournament last weekend. Didn't look out of place, but just maybe a lack of experience cost him. And, you know, if he's going to do a few more of those, I think we'll, we'll have a really good sense of, of, of where he's at. So, yeah, and then, you know, as, as ever, um, and also maybe supporting, uh, providing some support to my wife, because I know she's got her own her own aspirations. She she, um, she wrote a book, um, which she self-published, and, you know, that we've not really promoted that book particularly hard or particularly well, but it's, you know, it's, it's something she's done really nicely on, and I think that there'll be a, a sequel to that or a few subsequent versions of that. Um, as It's a children's book. Um, so so again you know trying to help her uh progress that too so uh, there's a lot there's a lot there there's a lot there. there's a lot, lot, lot of plates in the air there's a lot of plates in the air that's why you know a lot of the time when you know a lot of these questions it's how do you how, yeah. do, you, how do you answer it it's the, the just yeah you can go through the various steps but um it, the temptation is just to kind of go like move on move on but actually yeah <laughs> Once you get me started, uh, it's hard to get me to stop. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. That's fantastic, though. But I can imagine it gets a lot. Just yeah, from outside yeah, the point yeah, of view, drive me insane. <laughs> there's always something to think about, Georgia. Always something to think about. Yeah. Um, wow. You know, we didn't even talk about the podcast. You know, it's uh, you know, it's, yeah. Uh, I, I guess we want to. I guess we want to get within within twelve months. So I guess we want to be kind of north of fifty episodes released and. Mm-hmm. We've always said that the viewership numbers aren't that important, but I guess there's a kind of minimum level that we would aspire to. But yeah, yeah, very exciting, and we will get there. Um, what is one thing that you learned about yourself recently? Oh. Again, it's probably too it's probably too open ended a question. Uh, I would I would say I learn. I'm learning things about myself all the time. I'm an incredibly reflective person. Um, and yeah, I, I I would say, I I can't answer that. I can't answer that succinctly. I think we'll be here for hours. Thank you. I just feel knocking. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine though, we could, I think that was at the right, right point. Um, Okay, these next two are from me. So if they're terrible questions, you don't have to answer them. Okay, go <laughs> on. We've got, um, if a movie was made of your life, what genre would the movie be and who would play you? Um, it would be, uh, it, it would definitely, well, I would like to hope, I, I, I would hope that it would be an uplifting, <laughs> an uplifting, <laughs> inspirational type of movie. Um that's that's my hope yeah that's the that's the ending that I'm that I'm going for um, so I, I guess it'd kind of be like that kind of um business style biopic um who would play me uh I'll ask I'll ask the question of you who do who, who do you think who do you think I should be aiming for to play me who who, who should I, who should I be asking I think you could aim for the big leagues I think you could do like a, if you're doing the sort of business biopic type Vibe. Am, am I do... am I going for which which actor might which actor do I go for? Um, yeah, I I yeah, I'd love I I you know late older me, I'd love it to be Clooney, but I don't think I'm going to have that much hair, as much hair as that. But um, whether, whether I'm whether I'm going to be Stanley Tucci bald or not is a is, is a different matter. I I guess older me could play could be played by Bruce Willis. 
and then it's just like who's who's going to play younger me maybe um maybe Killian Murphy or someone like that but um yeah some Ooh. someone along, like, along those lines so, so, someone I can see the similarities actually yeah I mean I, yeah probably a bit darker than Killian Murphy so um probably needs to be um I I actually my mum my always thinks that I have similar colouring to Andy Andy Garcia so maybe maybe someone like him a young Andy Garcia would have would have played me but I mean, God, no. Comparing me to Hollywood movie stars, that sort of makes me cringe a little bit. So, um, but we. I'll still uh, reach out to them when we hit the right time. Yeah. Don't worry. Okay. All right. That sounds. That sounds good. That sounds good. Uh, I've noted them down. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and then um, the next one from me is, uh, if you were invisible for a day, what would you want to observe? Well, I mean, I think if this was a if this was in a sort of lads chat group, this this would be this would go in a very different direction. Um, wow, wow, wow. Um, I I would love I'd love to be in a, a fly in the wall in you know like in 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 some of our competitors actually. Um, I'd, that would I'd be love, interesting actually. I'd love to yeah, I'd just love to see how some of our peers operate. You know, because you, we, we have actually a very good relationship with a lot of, a lot of the, the people at the top of the peer, of, of, of our competitors and peers. But, the, and they'll, and, you know, and you'll get a story, you always get a story, you always get, you know, but you, you don't know whether you're getting the truth, or the, the unvarnished truth, or, 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 or it's coming to you with a, a degree of veneer. Um, you know, like, you know, to, to put it, to, to, to put it in the sort of sausage making analogy, you know, you, you sort of know how your own sausage is made how do they you know how are they making their sausages and what goes into theirs um mm. you know and, and obviously there's things that we all claim that we do and then actually what do what do you actually do in practice so I'm, i'd be really curious as to see what 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 our competitors do um and maybe that's a little bit parochial and a bit uh, a bit more limiting but maybe it, or it would be a, a fly on the wall in um you know I, i'd love to sort of be a fly on the wall in what, what does elon musk do for 24 hours what does mm. what does 24 hours look like for Elon Musk as one example or someone like that um mm. because although I think it might be depressing because you do it and then you just see how hard you're not working uh, by comparison you know you might be surprised talking, though I doubt it not with Elon Musk. I've read a I've, I've read an auto uh, not an autobiography but a biography of him it basically suggests that he's sort of he, he sleeps about four hours a day um He's wired. He's, he's wired differently, right? He's kind of he's, yeah. he's 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 not he's not neurotypical. So, you know, it, it's very hard to compare yourself to him. But just just to have a a, a you know a, a perspective into a window of his life would just be amazing. Hmm. Interesting. Um. Okay. Oh. Next up, we've got what are the less spoken about, more unusual traits that you identify in successful or, in your opinion, potentially successful people? I don't think I, I genuinely don't think that there's any anything that hasn't now been spoken about around w why people are successful. Um, mm. You know, I, I think the common the common themes are the, the common themes are, are out there. And I don't think there's any I don't think there's any unusual traits. You know, there will be a small subsector of of, of unusual people. Um, you know, and we spoke about Elon Musk, for example, right, that, mm -hmm. that you know, like we talk about people who, you know, he's got he claims he is self-proclaimed to have Asperger's for example right there are a lot of people 
a lot of success will be business people who have got Asperger's or some sort of uh, you know, neurodiverse quality about them. Mm -hmm. um, but again, I don't think that that, you know, that's not a reason why they're successful. I think that, that is not the only reason why they're successful. The reason why neuro, being neurodiverse can be beneficial is that it enables you to um, hyper focus and ultimately what, what what are the secrets of success you know you, you talk about um you know out the book outliers for example a 10,000 hour rule well if you're hyper focused you can you can you can work 80 hours a week or 100 hours a week 100, 100 hour weeks well, if you're working 100 hour a week and you and there's 50 weeks in a year 52 weeks in a year you've already done 5,000 hours in a year and then you so you get to 10,000 hours you get to that you know world-class level in in two years in the way that it might take i i if I, when i tried to apply the ten thousand hour rule to avermore or you know how we got to sort of where we got to avermore i think it took maybe four years for us to hit ten thousand hours of experience in in running the wow. business but if, so if you're if you've kind of got those neurodiverse traits which enable you to be hyper focused it means that you can then devote so much more of your time and attention and energy into one thing is this is just going back to what I was saying right at the beginning which is about focus if you can apply that degree of focus I mean look who knows whether you start and, and also if you've got that neurodiverse trait you know for the you know for the neurotypical person once you go beyond seven eight hours of work a day your productivity kind of goes off a cliff but for those types of people um and some some people might might throw me into that camp based on the way i sometimes behave but i i, I sadly don't have that i, I can be hyper focused but not that way uh not certainly not 80 hours a week if i hyper focused um you know i think it's that ability to be hyper focused means that you just end up working harder for longer than than someone who, who doesn't have that trait so yeah, so if I, looking at that as one particular example, but I just think that what are the, you know, what are the secrets to success? You know, it's, you know, it's, it's understand, it's understanding, you know, give people what they want and need, um, and and working hard to achieve it, and and be constantly trying to improve the things that you're doing, so that you stand out from the rest of the crowd. I, I don't, I, you know, I, I don't think success in business, you know. It, in terms of true common themes that there aren't many that go beyond that interesting i'll just try and adopt some of those myself um if you weren't involved in property finance what line of work would you have ended up in yeah i think that the full question was what was my ambition work-wise as a youngster um well when i was young when i was really young sort of seven eight nine years old i wanted to play i wanted to be a footballer um, and I wasn't, and by the way, I wasn't good enough. I did actually get offered a trial at Preston North End uh, by a coach of mine at school. Um, I know I was never really sure if he was actually serious, um, but I was, but I did get I, I was okay for about five minutes when I was sixteen, but I was too old by that point anyway. Um, and I, like I said, I'm not sure if he was actually. So he was actually serious, but he was playing at Preston North End and he was coming to the end of his career. And he sort of said, oh, I should get you down to Preston for a trial. And I 
sort of laughed it off because I didn't really know if that was real. Um, I haven't played football for years, by the way. Um, and if you saw me play football now, I'm not sure. And I'm not sure you would um, even realise that that was remotely a thing in my past. But I, I would I wanted to be an, a sort of professional sports person. And so went from to football to cricket. Uh, was a good reason to go cricketer but um, I think I kind of I think the best I ever would have been able to do was be like you know second 11 for a minor county which is essentially like saying is still not really a professional sports person <laughs> it's not really worth it so um, I sort of gave up I sort of gave up on cricket uh, relatively early into university um, and just played it recreationally so sport was sort of sport went out the window and around 15 16 I, I, my mum my mum like a, any good immigrant wants their son to be a doctor so I thought right I'll be a doctor and then I messed up my GCSEs so I was like right I'll be a lawyer and then I messed up my A levels um and so there was still a pathway to become a, to becoming a lawyer um after doing uh, after doing a chemistry degree but I think as time went on I think I, I think I realized I, I, it's funny because I look back now and I'd be an absolutely terrible lawyer because the, the nature of that kind of work it drives me mad. It would, would drive me mad. because It's very it's actually very repetitive work mm. and it's very detail oriented and I can be detail oriented up to a point. But I think there has to be like I, I have to be benefiting from the commercial purpose. I think if you're being detail oriented and it's the same thing over and over and over again, it would drive me absolutely mad. Um, and so, uh, ironically, uh, ironically, I think um, when I when I discovered real estate in towards the the last year of my undergrad, um, I think it felt it felt like something that I, I it felt like something that was very natural to me. I had an interest in property, had an interest in the built built environment. Um, you know, at least in a professional setting, I like talking to people, um, and obviously, real estate is very 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 people centric. Uh, is a very people-centric, people-oriented. Um, I think if I hadn't, if I hadn't uh, gone into real estate, I would. I think one of two things would likely have happened. I either would have gone into, because I did a chemistry degree, I probably would have ended up in a pharmaceutical company, and I would have ended up in the sales team in a pharmaceutical mm. company, um, because I, it's probably something I would have slotted into really, really naturally, because I guess. I, I I can sell. Um, I, I would like. I, even I might admit that. Um, and then I suppose the other alternative is I might have ended up working in as a trader in the city or something like that. And now I'd sort of be burnt out, three divorces in, quadruple heart by or something like that. But um, you know, it, I'm I'm sure I'm, I'm sure <laughs> I'm sure it, it would have been fun on fun on the way fun um yeah <laughs> so, I, so I, I don't know uh I, I, but I, I suppose now now looking at the the landscape I, I I'm, I'm thinking back to how it would have been then I think now with the with the eyes you know with today's eyes I think I would have invested way more heavily into tech and learning you know learning uh, learning how to get into the tech industry tech space um, and I think that I, yeah, I probably would have ended up um, starting up and failing with about 16 different businesses. Um, but just knowing how dogged I am, probably would have would have made one of them a success. So, um, yeah, I think that's that's probably how how things would have panned out.
Okay, we've got who? Oh, who were your mentors in the earlier stages of your career? How did they help you? I know we talked about people who inspired you. Yeah, that was probably that was more school related, wasn't it? Um, yeah. I I really only had kind of one. I only really had one mentor professionally. And that was back when I was at Cushman and Wakefield, a guy called James Young, who was a partner. And he was, he, you know, of all people, he sort of really looked out for me, um, you know, and 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 had my best interests at heart. And, um, you, you know, the contrast of the person I am now with how I was in my early 20s, was, you know, was, um, you know, it was a bit of a muppet. And so to, so the the contrast is quite, uh, the contrast is quite telling. Um, and I think James, but I think James ultimately saw real potential in me and, you know, kind of put his arm around me and, and gave me the confidence to kind of go and kick on. And, and actually I was a, I was a real success in, in the department that I worked for him for, you know, I guess 15 months before I moved into a different department. Um, and so, yeah, he, he was, he was a really good mentor to me. I, I the thing is, I've been self-employed for essentially self-employed for the best part of 12 years. And the closest thing I have to a business mentor is my father-in-law. Um, and, you know, so so a lot of my leadership style um, is derived from him. You know, he's, you know, he is the ultimate delegator. He's incredible. Uh, he's he's, uh, he's a great delegator. Um, he's always been very content to trust in me and given me opportunities to go and go and prove myself and take risks. He's got, I think one of the things about Gary, he's incredibly, he's, he's had a lot of luck, but I think he sort of earns the luck. He deserves the luck. He doesn't, he doesn't panic. He's not easily flustered. Um, I suppose, particularly when it comes to investing, I guess because he doesn't really need the money, he doesn't panic when it comes to making the investments as well. Um, and so from that context, I'm, yeah, he, he's, he's, I suppose he's been a good mentor to me as well. Um, and look, I've, I've made him a lot of money. Um, I helped him sell his business for him as well, but at the same time, you know, he's, you know, he's helped me a lot and he's, he kind of gave me my start as an entrepreneur. And so, um, you know, that, 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 and every, but it's a funny one because this because he puts his faith in me that's enabled me to grow and develop and that influence carries has carried through to my leadership style when it came to Avon and other businesses as well very interesting well very nice okay um if money wasn't a driver what job would you do now and why yeah so this is from a dear friend Guy Harrington um uh, ceo and founder of glenhawk um if money wasn't a driver well actually in a funny way money isn't a driver georgia um it, it isn't and i don't sort of i'm in a slightly enviable, enviable position where um you know i have a you know have a reasonably you know i i i'm not in a position where i am under aside from paying school fees i'm not under a huge amount of financial pressure um i have I've toyed with the idea of of going into performance coaching or, or you know or personal coaching. My, I'm having worked with a coach for many years, 
Uh, I'm not sure if I'm ready for that yet, but um, certainly it's an area that's interesting to me. Um, so that life but, mentorship rather than well, sports? Well, pr no, probably, I probably prefer to be more on the business side uh, than, yeah. you know, I, I don't think I... I don't think I'm probably the best person to be, you know, telling, you know, telling a board housewife what she should and shouldn't be doing with her life. But if it, if, it, if it's if it's a business person, then I, uh, if it's if it's a business person, that's that's someone I think I can probably relate to more. So that's something I've sort of talked with the idea of. Um, but I, you know, I, I'm increasingly just think that yeah, I, I want to just do something in tech that that will make people's lives better but I, I think that's and and it doesn't and it doesn't really matter like for example why do we do this podcast and we do we do it so that people can be so can learn from learn from and be inspired by inspiring people and and it doesn't really matter how many people listen to it as long as you know just one person gets something from that and we're not and, and I'm not doing it because I want to get lots of followers and lots of listeners if I do it'll be because I've done a good job not because I've added a lot of value, not because I, I was doing it for that, for, for, for the sake of it. So, yeah, I, I think that's what I would, it, it would probably be some something. Something probably now in the tech arena, tech arena that that will be for the benefit of, of, of a group of people or, or society as, as at large. Interesting. The next question, I'm going to try and pronounce it correctly. Oh, it's from oh, Adam oh, oh, is this from Adam Stars? It's, it's should Mbappe take contracts, referring to yes. some crazy contract that's been offered to Kylian Mbappe by uh, by Saudi Arabian Football League. Um, my answer would be no, because you know it's first of all he's he's already earning enough money. He, he earns enough money as it is, and he's got to think about his legacy. And I think his legacy, you know, essentially you're going to spend a year. He's, he'd be agreeing to spend a year in footballing wilderness uh, and tarnishing you know, his legacy, and I think he's he should um, consider a consider a, a a different pathway than the one that uh, than than the one that uh, that the Saudi Arabians are putting in front of him. Okay, I'm going to take your word on all of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, that's that's very um, niche. That's that's for, that's for football fans only. Craziest thing you've ever done? Yeah, I saw that question. I I have not done many crazy things. I've done a lot of stupid things, uh, but I haven't done a lot of crazy things. Um, so probably the craziest thing I've ever done was setting up a lending business, having never worked in one. Uh, you know, that's probably I the craziest thing I've ever done. Um, I you know, like I said, I've done lots of stupid things that were uh, <laughs> that put me put me and others at physical risk uh but uh or, or or other types of risk but um nothing you know I've, I've never i've never jumped out of a plane i've never bungee jumped um or anything like that um I would you would you do any of that uh, does it just not interest you i i i don't i'm not amazing heights so um the, the thing about the I, I probably could do the i probably could do the parachute jump if i was doing that kind of you know whether where effectively as soon as you leave the plane the parachute opens um mm -hmm. but I, I don't think i could do one where you put you know you, you push the button and the canopy opens because I, I think that, like, that would just that would be too scary for me um yeah probably more likely to do a bungee jump but still mm, no i i mean life's, life's too short like it's, it's like cage diving with a shark like oh yeah like why why do people want to 
like you know like with great whites like what why do you why like why did you get just, to see them just, just why i mean I, I i like um i like challenging myself physically and you know so obviously i, I rode the length of portugal on a bike last year i you know again on the bike I've, I've ridden up high mountains um i've you know and i and i've descended those mountains at reasonably high speeds as well on, on a bike and you know that's not always it's not always mega safe um you know when you're you know last when i was in portugal and i was going down a descent and you hear quite a loud bang from the back of your bike as you're doing about 40 miles an hour uh, and all there is to protect you uh from the tarmac and the sheer cliff is um about two millimeters of lycra um you know that that's that, that that's not great but um i i don't think many i don't i wouldn't necessarily consider that crazy uh as such so um yeah that, i i i think simp i'm sure there are some people who's who, some of the things i've done would fall into the realms of crazy but for the most part that they're probably bordering on stupid rather than crazy and um, so yeah I, it's a difficult question to answer and uh, i think that's that that's all I, that's all i've got to say about that i think okay noted oh, okay. um we haven't got time for the next question so i think we need to skip for skip that no that's fine favorite yeah. country slash holiday experience oh, okay it's an interesting one um i i do i really like um if, if i think if i cast my mind back um i really like portugal i went to portugal again last year and stayed not far from lisbon and we 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 we, we rented a villa on a sort of exclusive sort of golf course complex we were about a mile from the beach so one day you can go surf one you know one day you go surfing one day you just have a chill by the pool or play a bit of tennis or golf or whatever and then in, and then one day because you're only uh, on the sort of the third day in rotation you go to the center of lisbon and have that bit of sort of city life and culture so we did that on rotation and that was amazing um but if i cast my mind back to like other amazing holidays that we had uh, or really memorable holidays that i really enjoyed um going to Thailand um, you know going to Thailand sitting on the beach we we rented a, a sailing boat for a few days and went around a few of the islands I mean that was just yeah that, that stuck that stick in memory for a long time um, yeah for sure and then also like mountain holidays as well so um, love I love skiing I particularly I actually particularly like going skiing in Austria because you you have you know very hearty food great apro ski um, and nice challenging slopes as well um so yeah a bit of a cheat because i didn't answer it in one but those those would be three that that stick in the mind i think on our kind of bucket list holiday destinations argentina has got to be up there japan as well love japanese food and probably would have to go to korea if i'm there um and we've just started watching yellowstone on uh, on paramount plus and so montana uh it's definitely on my wife's bucket list so therefore uh mine too but i have to say i am not very good with horses um so i don't know how i would deal with that when you say not very good are you because i have a fear i don't like horses i'm scared I, of horses it's not, I, I know i like horses uh, i like okay. horses i don't they don't like me so um yeah oh. I, yeah my i've i've last time i rode a horse was uh, at my brother's farm and uh, I was thrown off the back of my sister's horse and my my oh, sorry, my sister my sister-in-law's horse my sister-in-law is a tall woman so it's not like 
it's the size of person that the horse wasn't used to. Um, and I think it's clearly just, yeah, apparently, um, if you remember Elle Marie's podcast, she was saying that they're very perceptive and they pick up on they pick up on your vibes. And clearly I was giving bad vibes to Madison that day. Um, so, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I might need to uh, I might need to conquer my uh, my 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 fear of riding a horse before I mm. bef- before I went to somewhere like Man- Montana, because I think if you're not on a horse in Montana, look, judging by uh, what what we see in Yellowstone, I think I was going to say, if you're going to do the Yellowstone experience. Yeah, I think you need you think you need to be comfortable on a horse. Yeah. Interesting. OK. Um, favourite film and favourite book? Oh, OK, F- favourite film. I'm going to be quick. Right. So um, I, I don't have a specific favourite film. I think there's the, the film that always comes out is Gladiator. But I think that's a bit of a bit of a tired cliche. Um, I, I just like lots of films, you know, I, I if I'm in a silly mood, for example, I'll always want, I'll want to watch. There's a film called Don't Mess With The Zohan by Adam Sandler. Right. So, um, you know, I, I just I, I can't answer that. Book is easy, book is a bit easier. I always say like nonfiction. Um, I read Count of Monte Cristo when I was 17 uh, by Alexander Dumas. And um, yeah, that that was that's a hell of a story. Um, so as a, as a fiction book that that that's right up there um in terms of non-fiction which is what i read mostly um i, I can't i can't really narrow it down but i'll tell you what i'm reading right now which is barbarians at the gates uh which is a uh, story about um how um the rjr nabisco in the late 80s it was the biggest at the time the biggest leverage buyout ever um and um and, and all the sort of goings on there and uh, it's a bit of a classic and a bit like a business classic and i and i'm and i'm really enjoying that um but I, I suppose i could probably say shoe dog is probably definitely the favorite book i've read this year um of them all uh, i also read atlas shrugged which was i guess a fiction book uh which is a good book uh but yeah i don't think i wouldn't encourage people to read that automatically and they unless they desperately wanted to because it is so long and very heavy um all right let's next okay. one next one um if you started from scratch what would you do differently uh i think just be be will be as i said earlier be prepared to be more pigeon to pigeonhole myself and be more focused mm-hmm. uh Okay. So narrow down a more and a narrower seg- segment of uh, of a market vertical, rather than um, yeah, rather than trying to be all things to all people. But yeah, mm-hmm. that's as simple as that. Yeah. Okay. Um, what businesses are you involved in? I think we covered that, so I think we covered can that. we can probably go on. Uh, and okay. how do I how do I spend my time nowadays? Uh, well, apart from uh, apart from sort of sitting on a board of five different companies um i uh and podcasting with georgia um i i spend uh i i'm involved in the props charity uh well so so the props charity it's actually the variety of children's charity and the event is called the props lunch so we we raised in just three weeks ago we raised um over four hundred thousand pounds for children disabled children uh who are in wheelchairs so that's obviously very fulfilling. Um, I'm also involved uh, as the club captain of a community sports organisation, local tennis club, uh, and I play tennis for them as well. Um, and yeah, that's that's uh, and and then yeah, health and wellness and going to the gym, stuff like that. But uh, most of my time is business. 
yeah usual stuff yeah um but most of my time is yeah i'm i have a i'm a very full, full calendar as you can imagine um so yeah i can imagine <laughs> um what have you learned about farming and what are you growing or farming you kind yeah. of touched on it a little bit earlier i don't know yeah, if you so it a bit more yeah, so we grow seed potatoes in northwest Poland, um, sort of about an hour east or northeast of uh, Szczecin, um, just right on the Baltic Sea. And um, so seed potatoes are the potatoes that you that essentially you you put in the ground to grow potatoes for eating. And you can eat a seed potato, but um, the thing about seed potatoes is that they are what you call high grade or higher grade, um, and it means and the, the importance of sea potatoes is that they're less likely to have viruses and nasties um, that tend to accumulate through multiple generations of potato. Um, so that's why they're important. And the reason that we have the business in Northwest Poland um, is because um, essentially Frito-Lay or PepsiCo, um, which owns Walkers amongst other brands, um, asked my father 30 years ago, father being sort of the preeminent expert in the UK, one of, um, in that field to go and set up an, a, an operation. This is before Poland was in the EU and they wanted to be able to sell potato chips to the sort of, you know, recently opened up Eastern European, or Central Eastern European countries. Um, and so that's sort of how, how it's come about. We, you know, we, we still grow for them, but we also grow for a number of other growers as well internationally. Mm -hmm. Very exciting. And um, what about, very and niche what about, as well. Yeah, yeah, it is. But there you go. It's, it's specialised, right? It's it's there's mm -hmm. another theme. Um, what have I learned? I've learned a lot. Um, I've learned a lot, particularly um, about the growing cycle. And we we're actually there. Uh, we we're actually there end of June to go and see how the potatoes themselves are growing. And what we notice is that it's people don't think of it as the dry country, but Poland is actually a very dry country. Doesn't get a lot of rainfall by European standards. And this year is an ex exceptionally dry year. So we were obviously seeing the impact of the dry soils on mm. um, on the growth of the plants. Now, ironically, I on the literally the moment I landed, I, ra I landed in a, in like an almighty thunderstorm. Um, but, you know, by lunchtime the next day, you know, most of that water from that rainfall had been absorbed by the plants. So, um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm still learning a huge amount about uh, about the about potatoes, about the varietals. But um, yeah, I actually, it's not, it's nice to be learning something other than LTVs, LTCs, and rates and that kind yeah. of thing. I was going to say because it's such a random topic. It's quite interesting. It must be exciting. It's not something you ever think about. You're ever going to learn about. No, no. <laughs> it's but, quite nice know. to just have something completely out there. <laughs> random. It's a common theme, right? I did chemistry as a main degree, and I ended up in real estate. So like, it's like they're like, how does that work? And like, it doesn't. You know, it just, you know, it, of course, yeah. there is no natural link. Yeah, each day as it comes <laughs> yeah absolutely um okay round two what's your experience with personal coaching from yeah. lloyd miller uh, no lloyd miller is actually my my coach so there's um we uh, we actually recorded a podcast with him last week um and uh, lloyd was going to ask me this question during his session but actually um we we kind of got to the end of it and we forgot to ask he forgot to ask me that question so my experience with personal coaching is obviously very positive i've been working with lloyd for um six years as of uh, as of this autumn um 
I went in, uh, it, you know, it, I could spend probably two hours talking about it. So it's, it, it, so I have to try and be very succinct. But I think I went into it with the idea that it would help. He, he would give me tips to help me with my business. And actually what he did was he helped me with uh, look, take a, a more 360 degree look at my, my life in general and the relationships and the people in my life and how I engaged with people close to me. And, you know, you know there were there were serious deficiencies, I think, in a lot of the my per close personal relationships. And once we addressed, uh, you know, that we, we sort of triaged those aspects of my life, we then started to go branch that out. And so probably the most important things that uh, that Lloyd has taught me was actually how to build and develop connection with other people as opposed to as opposed to dis creating disconnection what causes disconnection with them and by making me better at building connections with with other people it that I guess stabilized my home life better which meant I could be more focused in the, in the workplace but also having better connections and better relationships with people in the workplace whether that's co-workers or whether that was um you know to start with i suppose business partners co-workers and then people that we supplied or supplied us so brokers developers and everyone else in between so obviously it by doing that and funders by by making me a better connector of with people there i then subsequently was able to to be a more effective business person on top of that so um yeah, it's it's an ongoing process. Um, coaching, mm. you know, it we're you know, and there's a lot of personal development that's constantly evolving, self improvement, more learning, all that kind of stuff. But um, yeah, my experience with performance coaching and personal coaching has been outstanding. But I think a lot of it is driven is driven by my willingness to change and be open to learning mm -hmm. to learning about change. But also because I've got a very good coach, and I think if I didn't have such a good coach, um. You know, I probably would have been more likely to chase bright shiny objects, and and if I was chasing bright shiny objects, I'm probably not going to be doing the deep work that's required to actually truly improve myself. Can I ask with that because that's such a massive thing? How do you go about picking a personal coach? Like what? Because to go into it, you must have some respect, like some level of trust with this person. Did you know him before, or was it? It so it. Uh, I was introduced to Lloyd by a guy called Nick Katz, who was on the, who was part of the props, or historically part of the props. Um, <laughs> Nick's a top guy, um, you know, kind of very deep thinker, and doesn't think in, you know, and and you know, sees the world through very different eyes to the average person, um, and not in a bad way, by the way, in a very positive way. Um, and he he recommended Lloyd. Uh, someone else recommended another coach you know i had a, i think i had kind of three or four introductory calls with different okay. coaches and lloyd was just the one that i, that I clicked with mm -hmm. he's also of a certain age I, I do you know i know i know of people who become coaches in their late 20s and early 30s and look good luck to them but you haven't lived life at that age really i don't think to be able to you, pass you, you, i don't know that might yeah. just be me I think I think there's an element of that. I mean, look, some people obviously have developed have very very deep experiences, uh, and and kind of experienced a lot of trauma in their lives that they that they that they've processed, um, and 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 that enables them to have degrees of wisdom that they can pass on. But you know, I think that Lloyd and I are about twenty years apart in age, 
you know he's kind of you know he's he's kind of like the village you know he, he's 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 like a kind of village elder he's not you know he's kind of old, old enough to be my father but not really you know he's just, you know he's a bit close bit a tiny bit too close in age he's more like that kind of younger uncle type mm-hmm. and i think that you know you want that kind of younger uncle younger aunt age profile you know you want you want a bit of distance between you and the person that, that's, that you're working with as, as a coach i mean i mean ironically lloyd's worked with people who he's who 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 are older than him but you know when he's working with them he's in his mid he would have been in his mid 50s for example and so that you know that 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 does that does qualify him to some degree to to have that to have that kind of engagement with them and i'd you know look i don't want to denigrate you know and uh, i know some people who are coaches in their you know in, in their late 20s early 30s so i don't want to denigrate the work that they're doing right but there are if you're if you're providing a very specific type of coaching like very narrow very very focused area of coaching maybe maybe it's better i think it's more difficult if you're trying to provide a more holistic approach and assessment of someone's life if you're in your if you're in a later stage if you're if if you're in an earlier stage of your life compared to someone who's maybe seen seen and uh, seen and experienced more of the world that that's my mm-hmm. personal opinion and, yeah. and, and look I, you, I think you probably see that that feels intuitively right but mm-hmm. what's right for one person isn't right for another and sometimes actually maybe you want to work with a younger coach because you want someone who's got fresh ideas or thinks differently and that's mm-hmm. and and maybe that's a, that's valid that's worthwhile interesting um finally we end on a question everyone's thinking about how are you finding the property funding market right now given high interest rate yeah and uh that's from uh manpreet atwell so thank you manpreet for for um submitting that question um well i think from an even more perspective the the cost the cost of funding that we as a lender experience is that that rises and falls broadly speaking in line with the in line with the base rate give or take right but essentially kind of that that's market that's market related and so our cost of funding our cost of funding goes up and therefore what we lend out at goes the price that we lend out at to a greater or lesser extent also goes up as a consequence so ultimately the margins that we make remain unaffected the the challenge though for us is that it is the same challenge that that a developer or investor experiences which is that if your if your cost of funding goes up but the cost of the property doesn't adjust accordingly um it makes and let's say in the case of development you're also facing increasing build costs although by the sounds of it that is starting to go the other direction let's ignore that for a second you know so if these key components to your numbers are not being adjusted if essentially the the price that you're paying remains the same your bill costs are the same or, or higher potentially the sale price that you're able to achieve is lower because of higher interest rates understandably property investors and developers are going to have less a- appetite to do new things and only people who are going to be actively pursuing opportunities are going to be those that have to do stuff you know you you have an event 
you have a you've secured planning under an option and if you don't exercise the option you're going to lose the property after spending three or four years going through the planning system and as I know, as as we as I know through the the business that we're involved in called Chartfield, which is a land promotion business, you you know you, you it takes such a long time to get planning. You're not just going to walk away from that. So if you're if you have an event, you're going to be active. If you have to refinance because your current facility is coming to an end, you need you'll need to do something. But a lot of people are going to sit on their hands because the numbers don't work, and so. Yes, in many ways, the situation hasn't changed for us really at all, but in other ways, but but essentially, if the, if the volumes aren't there, if the demand isn't there, it makes the market becomes a bit weird because there's lots of money chasing after a, a, a reduced number of deals. That forces us that, that to make yourself competitive, to be able to deploy the capital, you have to then make compromises on credit, you have to make compromises on price, and then your margins get, margin gets squeezed, but only you as the customer might not necessarily feel that but you are ultimately you know but ultimately the, the lenders will end up getting squeezed a little bit but really only on the margins um so so in essence yeah we we sort of see we we see what the property investors and developers are experiencing every day and i can understand it's not easy and as a commercial property investor in my own right i've resolved now that i will not buy anything with debt until the until the medium term rates on commercial debt start to normalize and get to a level that's that's acceptable if i'm borrowing three million pounds at a total cost of borrowing of let's call it nine percent or eight and a half or nine percent let's use nine percent so the master is easier that's a two hundred seventy thousand pound a year interest liability that i've got before i've even paid a penny of the debt back if I, if if that loan if the loan is secured against the property which has got a tenant that's paying that rent but that tenant goes bust i will go for, uh, you know i will then have that interest uh i have the interest to pay plus vacant rates plus any service charge plus the cost of insurance plus the cost of securing the site understandably that will in the current environment that's making me very reluctant and so and that's re and that's regardless of the price of the actual underlying investment the yield on that investment so so for that reason I'm 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 really sympathetic at the moment to property investors who are nervous about about getting into the market uh, coming into the market because interest is you know the cost of the cost of finance is high it's my opinion that um that you know that the interest interest rates will will recalibrate around this three three and a half percent per annum mark in in what period of time I can't tell you because I don't have that crystal ball, but I think it might be sooner than maybe some of the markets expect. Um, if that happens, I'm probably not going to benefit from it enormously myself anyway. But um, that's kind of my opinion as to where things are going. And but yeah, it's it. But Manpri, to answer your question succinctly, it's very hard. It's really really difficult. Uh, I get it as an investor that that it will be tough. Um, and all I can say is that. If there are opportunities that you want to pursue, um, hopefully Avermore would be a good option for you. And if if it's not something we can support, then we'll try and steer you in the direction of someone who it's more appropriate for. Okay. Yes. All right. We've what come what, to what the a end. note to end on. What a note to end on. Um, yeah. Georgia, thank you for 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 asking the questions. That that was great. Um, 
I, I quite enjoyed that. And um, yeah, maybe in a few months time, we'll, we can we can do another one of these. Yeah, definitely. Thank you for all your insights. I definitely found it really interesting. Well, um, anyway, hopefully our listeners enjoyed it. And um, yeah, as as ever, uh, thanks to Georgia. Um, thanks to Laura Wood uh, for uh, booking the guests. In this case, she only had to book me. Uh, so that made her, 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 life, her life a bit easier. And, and as always, thanks to Avonmore Capital for their support. Um, so thanks to you all for, for listening. Um, as ever, like, subscribe, and we'll talk to you again on the next one. A big thank you goes out to the official sponsor of the Property Funder podcast, Avonmore Capital, a property bridging and development lender located here in London. They, as much as me, understand the importance of somebody's story and how they got to where they are. Lending on projects from just £250,000 across the entirety of England and Wales, their understanding of all development backgrounds and can help support you at any stage in a scheme, even if you just have one brick down. Visit www.avonmorecapital.com to find out more about how they can help you in your development journey. Thanks so much for tuning into this podcast. I hope you can go away having learned something new and even picked up some new things to apply to your day today. Catch us in the next episode for another interesting story.